There are uh, movies that are so wonderful that they stand on their own, even though they're part of a series. There are TV shows that will hold your attention on a particular night, even though you may not have seen the shows that preceded it. But one of the things about movies that are in a series, whether it be Indiana Jones or Star Wars or Marvel action comics, somehow knowing the rest of the story helps us enjoy the current story. Somehow watching the previous episodes to the night's episode of the show we might be watching on TV uh, builds and adds to the enjoyment of the current episode. And I think the same is true when we come to the stories in the scripture. This morning's story is Pentecost, which is a wonderful and powerful story on its own. Uh, The followers of Jesus are gathered together. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. They speak in other languages, other tongues, and uh, there are signs of fire and smoke. And these languages and and in this amazing milieu, in this miraculous setting, uh, people hear a sermon by Peter and they're cut to the core and 3,000 are baptized and they become the first church. And it's a powerful story. It's wonderful. So much of it uh, stands on its own. But I would like to tell you this morning that there's a couple other stories in this series that if we knew them, it might further our appreciation for the Pentecost story itself. One of those stories is uh, back to an earlier time of Pentecost, actually, uh, before they even celebrated the festival. And this was when Moses received the law and the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. It, by Jesus' day, they had kind of done the math, and they had figured out that after the Passover, when they escaped Egypt, it was about 50 days later when uh, Moses came to Mount Sinai and received the Ten Commandments. And so Pentecost, which started in the Older Testament as an agrarian, harvest festival took on by Jesus day added significance as a day in which they celebrated the word of God coming to Moses in the form of the law. And there were many signs that accompanied it. And if you read in Exodus, you'll see that there was fire and smoke. You'll see that there was uh, thunder, but the voice, I mean, the word thunder in Hebrew can also mean voices. So apparently there were very many voices. The rabbi said there were probably 70 different languages in which Moses received and passed on the word of God at Mount Sinai. So it was a wonderful occasion, followed up by a not so good occasion when they made the golden calf and then 3000 people died in this rebellion. Against God. So it kind of helps to know that first Pentecost story when you come to this Pentecost because now there's fire again, there's smoke again. Only this time the Word of God doesn't come on tablets, it actually comes written on human hearts uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead of 3,000 people dying in the aftermath, 3,000 people are saved and and the first church is born. And so knowing the first Pentecost uh, story from Mount Sinai helps us appreciate this Pentecost. But that's not the story I want to tell you. Because even before that, my wife said I wasn't allowed to use the word prequel, so I won't. Before that, there's another story in this episode. And it is a story that takes place many hundreds of years even before Moses comes to Mount Sinai. And it's a story at a place called Babel. And it's a story in Genesis 11 about some folks getting together. They speak one language. Probably the language was insisted upon by the the ruling forces, by the empire. Everybody speaks this language. Speaking this one language, they come together. And we're told in the Bible they've got three purposes. One is they want to build a tower that reaches to heaven. They want to get into God's space. 
Uh, they want to become, in a sense, like God. And so they build this tower. Could be a, a ziggurat. Maybe it's even a pyramid. But they build this large uh, building, this, this monument. The second purpose they have is they said, we want to make a name for ourselves. We want people to know that we're great. And so they set out to do it. And then the third purpose is they said, and we want to make sure that we are never scattered across the earth, that we stay together. Well, now, people with biblical um, glasses on to read this or biblical ears on to hear it know that we got three problems here. Number one is we are not God, so we don't try to go to heaven and, and, uh, and, do, and make that our domain in that sense. Secondly, it's not about making our own name great, but that we exist so that God's name will be known and God will be loved among the people. And then thirdly, the Jews believe that the very first commandment is not in the Ten Commandments. The very first commandment is in the book of Genesis when God says, be fruitful and multiply. And he tells them to scatter all over the earth. So what you see in this building of this tower at Babel is that basically these folks set themselves up and says, you know, those things that God wants. We're not going to do them. We're going to do our own stuff and show that we can do it. And so here's what happens. There are two interesting things. One, God comes down to take a look. Now, that may not mean much to you, but let's look at it another way. If this thing was so big, how come God had to come down to get a closer look? Basically, the story is God's like, from where God is, God's like, I can't see it. What is it they're building? I can't see it. And so God has to come and show these great people that they're not so great. The second thing is this, we're told that in order to stop this project, not because God's afraid they're going to make it to heaven, but because it's complete disobedience to what God wants, God, we're told, confuses their languages. And so unable, apparently, to understand each other, the work on the building stops. But there's a very interesting word that they use for what happened. And it's not, they don't say the word in Hebrew they don't understand quite so much. They use this that says God comes down and they don't shema each other. You know that word. That word doesn't just mean understand, but it means they're not listening. They're not paying attention. When I tell you hero Israel, I mean, wake up, pay attention, listen to what I'm going to tell you. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one, the Lord alone. Uh, and so basically What happens in Genesis, you see, is because they refuse to listen to each other, the project stops and the people end up not being able to sustain their really open rebellion against God. Now, so what happens at Pentecost is here these people, instead of one language imposed on them, they have many languages, but they now are given these different languages. And instead of using the language to oppose God, suddenly every one of the languages says the same thing and it praises God. So you get a bit of a reversal. And instead of staying together in one place, if you read the book of Acts, after this fire and smoke and tongues and all the stuff that happens at Pentecost, they end up in the book of Acts going to the ends of the earth. They end up scattering as they were supposed to in the first place with the love of God. So what I've titled the sermon is what you have is in Pentecost a great reversal of what happened in the Tower of Babel. So here's my question is, what was different? What was so different? What happened over these more than 2,000 years that made the first exercise a destructive exercise and the second exercise seemed to build and shape community? 
And the obvious answer is, of course, the presence and power of Holy Spirit is evidenced by fire and, uh, and the, the speaking in tongues and uh, smoke and various signs and wonders that were performed. And, and I believe that is true and that amazing things happened at Pentecost. But I also want to invite you this morning to consider for a moment that maybe the great miracle of Pentecost wasn't just the speaking in tongues, the speaking in these other languages. Maybe the real miracle was that people stopped to listen to them and they stopped to pay attention to each other. Maybe I want to suggest that just as important at Pentecost as the miracle of speaking was the miracle of listening. And when people actually listened to one another, a community was born and the love of God went forth to scatter all through the earth. I mean, intuitively, we know that listening is important, right? I'm, I, I, nobody's been with me this morning, but I'm going to try, y'all. You're at 11 o'clock. You're my last chance. Did your parents ever say this to you? Were mine the only ones? They looked at me and they said, David, now obviously your parents didn't call you that, but they said, David, you have one mouth and two ears for a reason. Did they ever say that? Well, they should have. Because intuitively we realize that we're wired to listen. We're put together to listen. That listening is a significant act. Uh, John, the late John Claypool uh, used to say this. He said, very few of us are tempted to go to somebody and pay them $100 or more an hour to lecture us. But we might pay them that much to listen to us. There is an amazing power in listening. And I want to suggest that was part of the miracle of Pentecost is that people stop for a moment to listen to God, to listen to one another, and amazing things happened as a result. I think this is very important because as long as we believe that the most important miracle in the Christian faith is what we do with our mouths talking, then we will feel that the only way and the main way to spread the love of God is by talking about it. And I think that puts some real pressure on us. Uh, like, for example, I'll be on an airplane, you know, and if I believe that the real miracle is speaking about the love of God and some stranger sits on the plane next to me, then what do I got to do? I got to talk to them about the love of God. I don't even know them. Uh, they don't know me, but, but I'm supposed to do it because that's, that's, how, uh, that's how the gospel spreads is by us talking about it. Uh, and, and I don't know about you, that strikes me as not a, completely true because I don't even take much time when this is my mindset to find out about them. Oh, you're married and have three kids? Do you know that if you died tonight and then you change the subject? Somehow, oh, you're flying to go to a ball game? Have you ever seen the John 3.16 sign in the end zone? I mean, how do you turn everything into talking about Jesus? I mean, intuitively, it just strikes me as, no, maybe. Maybe if we understood that listening was just as important as speaking, we might on that airplane listen and find out who the person next to us is. And where they are in life. And by our listening, they might be opened up to the word and the ways of God in a way that they've not been opened up before. An amazing thing happens to people when you actually take the time to listen to them. A friend of mine years ago, a dentist, um, went and did continuing education. And one of the workshops he did was how to have better relationships with his patients. And so how to listen to them. Which always amazed me because I thought like his hand was in their mouth the whole time. You know, I didn't know how that worked. 
but he learned to listen. And he decided he would practice it on the way home from this conference. Two and a half hour plane flight. So he sits uh, down and the person sits next to him and he basically gives this person a couple softballs, you know, some leading questions. And that person talks and talks and talks for more than two hours straight. And when they land and they get ready to get their bags out of the uh, upper compartment, the person says to my friend, the dentist, thank you. You are the most interesting man I have ever met. (laughs) There is that deep need, I think, inside us to share our story and share who we are. We're wired that way. What if the miracle Pentecost wasn't just getting our words right, uh, but rather actually listening to them articulate their words in whatever way that they can. seems to me listening does some amazing things for us. Number one, I think listening actually builds a community, and that's what the Holy Spirit did at Pentecost, was, was to put this community together. Uh, a philosopher some years ago talked about the difference between a society and a community. And a society is where we all get together, and they, they give us certain laws and rules, and we learn how to negotiate them for our own benefit. But he said a community is different. A community is where we get together We share with each other, and the whole group takes responsibility for each individual. It's more than just, I'm going to transmit some laws, some principles, some techniques, and you apply them and see if you can get ahead doing it. It was more like, I'm going to listen to you, you're going to listen to me, and we're going to look and take care of each other in this thing. One of the things the rabbis said about the Tower of Babel was this. That the people who built the Tower of Babel were more concerned about bricks than people. So when someone uh, was putting a brick on the ziggurat and it fell and hit the ground, they would weep because they had lost a valuable brick. When someone was putting a brick on the ziggurat and they fell and they died, they'd haul them off and put somebody else on the scaffold. And one of the things the rabbis said, and it's not in the Bible, but one of the conclusions they drew was in Babel, bricks were more important than people. And I want to tell you, anytime speaking is more important than listening, bricks will always be more important than people. Maybe it's listening that actually builds community and that that's the miracle of Pentecost. I think listening actually helps people open up to God in their life. I think if they get to share their story, then then they process out loud and they begin to see where God is there. And as you non-judgmentally allow them to share, they experience the unconditional love of God in their life. There's an interesting story. John chapter four, Jesus meets the woman of the well. Do you remember that story? So Jesus meets the woman of the well. And the fact that she's there at noontime means that either the other women have ostracized her or whatever she does with her life uh, makes her not want to appear in public with other women. And so Jesus finds her. They engage a conversation. When it's over, she runs back to the village and she says, you, I got to tell you about a man who told me everything I ever did. And when you look at that story and then all of a sudden, Crowds of people come back to meet this man, Jesus. And on the surface, it looks like a story that, oh, Jesus said something prophetic, that, that there's something Jesus said that he knew about her that he couldn't have known, except that the voice of God told him that. I believe that. I think that's true. But that's not what the disciples pointed out. You know what the disciples said to Jesus when he finished talking to that woman? They said, what were you doing talking to that woman? Men don't talk to women individually, one-on-one, in that sort of setting. And they certainly don't talk to a woman who's going to come out at noon to collect water because there's something wrong there. 
And so the disciples thought what was impressive to them was that he struck up a conversation with this woman in the first place. And they saw that the miracle started not so much with what Jesus told her, but with what Jesus was willing to listen to in the first place. There's something about listening to another person that helps them identify God in their life. And it helps us build community. And then finally, I think it helps me hear God in my own life. It is true in the Bible that God has spoken through a burning bush. God has spoken through a still small voice. God has spoken through um, large uh, natural phenomenon. God has spoken through angels. But for the most part in the Bible, you know who God speaks through? Other people. The great Dallas Willard once said it like this. If you don't plan to listen to other people, then you don't plan to listen to God. Because in the Bible, for the most part, God speaks through other people. When I open my ears to another person, I hear not only them, I may very well hear God. I've shared at different times that I, I think I had turning point, a couple major turning points in my life. One where I became a better husband. Uh, hopefully, and or at least I believe that. And then another, whether I where I became a better parent, at least I believe that. But what the two occurrences had in common is it didn't happen in the midst of prayer. And I heard some audible voice speaking to me. It didn't happen by something that dropped out of the sky. What both those things had in common is a wise person spoke some truth and I heard it and received it. There's no question in my mind that the miracle of Pentecost involves these tongues of fire and these speaking other languages. But there also is no question in my mind that had not the listening gone with it, the miracle would not have been multiplied. It would not have gone as far. God speaks to be sure, but God often speaks in ways that cause us to have to listen to other people in order to hear. I was uh, doing a, a workshop for uh, beginning pastors this past week, and so we were talking about something in a question and answer, and I was sharing about a, a difficult time that I uh, went through as a pastor in this church. And so one guy raises his hand right away, and I go, yes. And this guy's a fairly astute guy, and, and he says, well, like, when you ran into this problem, what did you do? Did you change the order of worship? He said, did you change the style of music? Did you start another program? And, and, and he's asking me this stuff. And, and the truth of the matter was, I said, no, no. You know what I did is I just, I listened. Obviously, I lost contact with God and the people. And I just listened. The miracle of Pentecost, as all miracles, will be aided and grown exponentially through the miracle of listening.